I was trying to put the thing in the in the in the camera holder, and then it just started anyway. Well, it's a good job we weren't saying oh. anything bad. Oh, we never do. So you'd, you'd be safe. You'd be safe, and we're um, which is probably filthy. Oh. I mean, normally when we've done these together before, like I've, I've mucked around and I've just made it go live too early. So, that was actually uh, uh, much fun. But uh, yeah, no, this was actually. I genuinely messed it up. I genuinely messed it up. Uh, okay, hey, while I get this this loaded, uh, where are we? G give me the uh, Copenhagen right now in Denmark. So we've only been here two days. Uh, no, I've got to get some morning. Oh yeah, no, yeah, because we overnighted on the ferry from Oslo. So I feel we need to work backwards because we we took the ferry from Oslo down to here. Yes. What was the the DFDS? DFDS, and it was like a 17-hour, something like 17, 18-hour crossing to get here. So feels like I'm counting that as like Copenhagen, or at least half of that should be Copenhagen time, right? When you say crossing, it wasn't exactly like the Atlantic. <laughs> no, <laughs> and it, like I actually looked on the map. So I think we it could see land something kilometers, the right? whole way, right, yeah. as well. It was like uh, really close to... Okay, I got my comments in chat. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we basically actually just kind of like skimmed all the way down Sweden, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, actually, there was a point there where we were... And I know that there's some people from um, uh, other parts of the world where other countries are close by. But like for, for me, I was going to say us in Australia, for me in Australia, every country is a very, very long way away, even the closest ones. <laughs> in fact, it's not New Zealand, which is the closest, Indonesia. That's a long way away. But we were on the ferry yesterday and I said, like, OK, if we go into the kids' room and we look out that side, that's Denmark. And if we go to our room and we look out that side, that's Sweden. And I was like, oh, this is... That's pretty cool. It's just a, is it a novelty factor for me? Or? No, it is. I mean, because we're not super far away from every mm. other country, but we also like have to cross water or fly as well to go. Like, I mean, obviously, out England, Scotland, Scotland, Wales. Yeah, but like that's all kind of like Great Britain, right? Like, it's it feels like the same place to us when we're there anyway. So if we want to go somewhere else, yeah. it's a plane or a ferry. It's like a one-hour plane, not a one-day plane. The country of Great Britain, and I still don't understand all that. But I do take great pleasure from seeing how upset people get at me deliberately not understanding. <laughs> hey, uh, let me do the sponsor bit. I'm just uh, popping the iPad up here, uh, and then we'll go into, we'll keep going backwards and we'll talk about things because I, I know there's some questions here about where we are. So, are we actually in Copenhagen? So sponsor this. How do we prove that? Uh, I don't know. It's cold and wet. Yeah. England? It, well, yeah, okay. I realised as soon as I said that. It's like Scott's at home. Collide. Sponsor this week is Collide. Endpoint security solution for teams that want to meet SOC 2 compliance goals without sacrificing privacy. I don't think anyone goes out and gets excited about SOC 2, do they? No. And we're also looking at ISO 27001, yeah, which is like... I, I'm getting questions about that too. Feels very similar. Uh, so maybe we should talk to Collide. <laughs> yeah. I need help. SOC 2 compliance guide. <laughs> Uh, Collide. Uh, as we get to the end of the year now, Collide has been one of my uh, one of my uh, most prevalent sponsors of the year. So massive thanks to them. Really appreciate having them on board. And uh, yeah, we, we know where to go. And we still have to know all the paperwork. So that's that's handy. <laughs> now a couple of questions came up here. I think someone said something to the effect of, "Are you sure you're in Copenhagen? It looks like you're in a safari tent." So who was this? This was uh, a <laughs> Christian. Um, I would point the camera down, but we, we've taken the kids' room because the kids are in Charlotte's and my room that has the jacuzzi. Because we're like, okay, well, let's entertain the kids. We'll, we'll let them yep. go up to the roof and jump into the jacuzzi at what's the temperature now? Three degrees. It's actually Celsius. warmer than it was this morning. I know. Well, yeah, where are we going next is cold. <laughs> uh, so because we did that, we've taken the kids' room, and 
Let's this is, just this say, is the tidy part. <laughs> you, you couldn't get in here without tripping over. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I see a Christian greetings from Norway. So, yeah, working backwards. So, we came from uh, Norway. Now, we came on, on Friday. Was it Friday? Yeah, Friday. Yeah, well, it was Friday. So, the, the night before, on Thursday, Charlotte and I did a, a, a wedding dinner for, uh, I guess, for more people from this side of the world. Uh, you had the privilege of going to both, yes, <laughs> both yeah. weddings, which was Brought nice. Brought my family to this one, which was good. Brought your family. Much closer and easier. Yeah, there. No, American was there and, and Charlotte's, uh, Charlotte, some of Charlotte's closest family. But I think other than that, you were the only people that were actually at, at both of them. Yeah. But it, it was... Uh, look, I posted some photos to Twitter. You've seen some of the professional photos as well. Yes. Like, oh, it's, it's, it's like fairy princess kind of the photos. Yeah. Just like epically good because it just started snowing as well like later on ah uh, like, yeah well there's photos of all i didn't post the ones of all of us you're welcome to if you want but they're all of us like standing outside you know dressed up snowing <laughs> outside like the norwegian parliament was it the yeah, parliament, parliament building parliament. Yeah. yeah that was a great shot uh so that was good i guess working backwards so i got to go into parliament the other day tell you about that um yeah not for any cyber things but just because we have a friend <laughs> which which was handy so um that was kind of cool it's uh Having been in Parliament House in Australia a few weeks earlier, man, it's different. It's like, this is this like tiny little, very, very cute, rustic Parliament that's very, very open. And I didn't tell you this, but the, you know, there's the security. Like they go through, they scan your bags and everything. It's pretty straightforward. When we were in Parliament House a few weeks earlier in Australia, Australia is not a big place. We only got 25 million people, but our Parliament House apparently has 5,000 rooms. Like it's just, it's ginormous. I don't even know if you can go in ours in London. I don't think you can just go and walk around and actually when people... Because you were in there when people were yeah, yeah, yeah. parliamenting. Yeah, so there was, uh, there was some ministers talking about some stuff that I didn't understand. But Charlotte, Charlotte said it was uh, it was something to do with self-driving cars. But yeah, oh, nice. it's kind of cool because you're standing there and there's someone up on the lectern. They're talking. There are a few MPs sitting around. And, you know, like one of them's just there on Snapchat. And, you know, bored. <laughs> Another one's like yawning. <laughs> Uh, oh, they, they, they keep getting in trouble for going to sleep in our parliament. Maybe that's a parliament thing. <laughs> like an MP just asleep on well, a bench. Like. And, the, and I won't, I'll, I'll say offline what the, what the MP told me, but <laughs> when I was in Canberra in, in an MP's office for a while the other day, you know, I sort of got the impression that there are some very long days there and people need Oof. to need to weather, weather those long days with a nap. Yeah. Uh, okay, so yes, we are in Copenhagen. Brendan's saying uh, earlier than normal. Um, we're sort of really out of sync because it, it is at the yeah. time of recording here, one twenty on a Sunday. Uh, now I'd normally do these on a Friday, but we were doing the on boat boats, thing, yeah. uh, and then yesterday we do so we went to Tivoli. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Christmas markets. That was like a full on day, so there's no time yeah. to stop. But that it was, was good though. That was the most Christmassy Christmas, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, what do they have? Like a, the most Christmas. The most like decorative Christmas lights anywhere or something. It's like millions of lights is their claim to fame. It was really cool. You were yeah. cold. Oh, we were crazy. okay. The kids didn't really care because they were just wanting to get on rides. Uh, I was cold, but yeah. Christian was just going to tell us that you should go to Tivoli. So yes, we've... Oh yeah, we've just, that's well kind of like Tivoli. top of the list, yeah. It was insane. It's so good. It was just like, the kids loved it. If you want to do something super Christmassy, magical, yeah. like it was definitely worth it. But we spent the, we did a lot of walking here, so I think we walked about 10k, uh, and we walked into the, what is it, Christensen, Christian Town, which, whatever that one is, where yeah. they basically absconded from 
Denmark and it's an independent nation and they basically just smell, 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 smell. smell pot. <laughs> it smelled a lot of pot walking through yeah, there. We did. But it's, yeah, it's I, like, so I didn't know about this place. I was yeah. just like, it sounds... So it's, apparently it's like an ex-military base and they just like took over and then broke away from government and law and stuff. I was yeah. just like, wow, this is... It's pretty interesting to walk around anyway. Yeah, so that was interesting. And, and then we went to the, the I forget the street, the, the street, someone here or not, but it's that street with all the colourful buildings, all the pastels yes. that you see everywhere. And it had um, like the cute little bridges over the over the water right up front. That, that the pastels were a bit dreary, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, today it was... I haven't seen the so. actual sun once in Scandinavia yet. It's like the whole time I've been here, it's just been... Permanent cloud cover. Well, Charlotte, I was saying that today. Like, I've been here or in Scandinavia now, I guess, a week and a half. She's been here two weeks and a half. She's like, it's been two and a half weeks since she's seen sun. Jeez. Okay. Withdrawal. That's a bit rough. Brendan says, love how Troy's complaining about the cold weather. Over in Copenhagen, while well, summer is in full swing back home. Yeah, I had 34 degrees at home a few days before I left. It's like 3.4 now. <laughs> 3.4 <laughs> now, but I, I was looking at the weather report, so we're going, well, you're going back to, to England. Yeah. Um, Charlotte and the kids and I are going to Helsinki tomorrow, and Helsinki is, I think, minus 8 or something was the forecast. And then we're going to Lapland, and the forecast for that was, like, minus 18. Nice. <laughs> and then we're going back to Norway to catch up with you guys again and go skiing, yeah. and that's going to be about the same, I think. So. Yeah, Hemsedal is, like, minus, oh, it's kind it's of like minus, minus 13 teens. right now. Yeah, yeah, minus 10. So give it another two. We'll be back in two weeks. Anyway, so that'll be fun. Uh, um, we, we didn't talk at all about content today. Nope. <laughs> as, I get no heads up, as usual. <laughs> oh, thank you, Siri. She doesn't understand. Uh, I, I just jotted down some things earlier on. So, so one of the things that, that came to mind is today is Have I Been Pine's birthday, <laughs> ninth birthday. I need to I was, celebrate. I was going to say we should have a beer for that, but we already have. We've been to... Yeah. For the Copenhagens? What do you call people from Copenhagen? Uh... I don't know if they have a phrase for it. Ari's just saying when we walk back, he's like, "What do you call? What do you call Danish people?" <laughs> Charles said, <like>, "Danish." <laughs> Danes, aren't they? It's just Danes. Oh, that's true. Danes. Is it Danes? Yeah, Danes. Yeah. Danes. yeah. Anyway, we went to Warpigs, which was oh, like yes. it was an epic barbecue place. Yeah. Which we tried to go to yesterday, it was just packed out, so we went early. Oh man, yeah. Got in. <coughs> but that's a good time though, right? Ate too much barbecue, but yeah. So that was uh, we 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 didn't we didn't toast have I been paying, but nine years, which is. Yeah, damn. So is that the birthday of, like, public launch? Mm -hmm. What's the, yeah, yeah, 4th of December 2013 was the day I, like, pushed the go-live button on the blog post wow. and the service. Uh, it was meant to be a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah. That's how all good projects start, all right, with no intention of being big, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, and it's, look, it's, it's the same for Report Your Eye, obviously. Where it's, yeah. it's something that, that sort of starts as a, as a niche that you scratch, uh, and I'm sure that you've had probably just as many completely failed projects <coughs> as I have in the past. Yep. That have gone nowhere, but that's kind of the joy of it too. When there's not an expectation of being a, a big, wonderful thing, um, I'm not quite sure how I'm nine years later, and it's it's still going. There's still a need for it. I haven't been arrested. Uh, <laughs> you know, all these things that are wonderful. Know. No, I tell you, not to reminisce too much, but there was certainly a period of time there where I was. It's not that I was worried about getting arrested, but I was just worried about that there being pressure uh, on the legalities of the service, particularly when there are those other leaked services around. Yeah. Do you remember those like leaked source, we like leaked info? Shady looking and feeling though. Well, I did. Um, I did a, an NDC meetup during the week. When did I do that? I think I did that Last Tuesday, Wednesday, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, I think Tuesday. It was Tuesday. No, it was yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, because we were with you on Wednesday, um, eating barbecue again <laughs> way down <laughs> south. And I was like, uh, no, I did it on Tuesday, and I've, I've one of the things I've been doing it 
talks and meetups lately is there's a, a little bit of a insight into what some of these other services were, such as um, Leaked Source was the one that really, really, frankly, got under my skin because it was, it was just so overtly selling other people's data with the intention of exploiting them. Uh, and, and eventually that's what the guy got charged with, um, uh, trading and selling identity data. But, yeah, he was trying very hard to be anonymous uh, you know, that's always a good sign, isn't it? Well, and, and this is, <laughs> I'm cautious because for some people there are, there are privacy reasons why they might want to be anonymous online. But when you're running a service like that and you're going out of your way to try not to be identified, yeah, that's that's not such a great thing. And um, I think you've probably seen this before. I'm just going to find the photo because it makes for a great uh, conference talk. But this guy was sort of you know running this service, selling a whole bunch of data. Uh, I was really worried that. He was, uh, whoever was behind it, and I always figured, yeah, it's probably going to be like one guy at home sort of thing. Yeah. What do you need? I think I've proven that. Yeah. Um, uh, and I was always sort of worried that they might have been, in, they he might have been incentivizing other people to go and get more data because I kept seeing so many breaches occur and, and like they'd be on leaked source before they're in any other usual places. Uh, okay. Uh, and I thought that was very odd. So I was admittedly very happy when the thing got shut down because I'm like, okay, finally, that's the end of it. But the bit that I find funny, and this is what's in the talk as well, so the guy's trying to be anonymous, you know, no information about him on on the website, no one who ever asks questions, journos and things, we get a straight answer. Uh, and he's making a bunch of money from selling data through things like ads on hacking forums, so pretty clear what his intent is. And as part of his attempts to sort of fly under the radar and be anonymous, he's driving around in this. <laughs> it's <laughs> like the least anonymous car. Which is, which is a, for those of you listening later on, a bright green Lamborghini uh, Gallardo convertible. Yeah. So, you know, when you're 26 years old yeah, yeah, and you're making so. all of this money from selling other people's data and you're driving around. But then what do you do with it? Yeah, like that's, you've then got to like justify how you got to, how you got there, right? Because people are going to think, well... That's a pretty big leap. You've got, but I won the lottery. Crypto. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah. So I mean, that that was a that, that was sort of I guess one of the things I was worried about having paying for. But then, and again, we're completely winging this because I didn't plan any, anything to, to talk about. We just got to try and kill half an hour or so. Uh, uh, as more of the governments came on board and then we started getting support you know and, and well actually I used to say we in the royal we way because it was always as you know just me so yeah. I would go home and I would write all the code and I'd process the data and I'd, I would hand edit each of the PNG logos for each of the data breaches um. and I'd go to imageoptimizer.com just to compress it a little bit more and then I and it was me doing 100% of everything uh, but of course now the, the, the we is, is Charlotte as well so at least I have someone there she's literally over there at the moment answering uh, uh, tickets Zendesk tickets from people who bought API oh, wow. keys who um, yeah I keep getting and hey if, if people listeners have an answer as well please let me know maybe you do but I keep getting support tickets for things like uh, please cancel this account yes no yeah, and every single email that goes to them is like if you wish to cancel this account here's a link down there yeah and we've got you know, like the support website, if you start typing that in, you know, Zendesk Magic kind of matches it to the thing. And it's like, here's it. But how do you, I don't know if you can like auto-reply if someone sends an email that just sounds like it already has. An, like, I just don't want to hear from these people. And I know that sounds really <laughs> yeah. much of it. I don't oh, want, and it's like an FAQ. It's like, read the FAQ. Like, I know. Come it's, 
We uh, get that. Any good lot. answers? No, <laughs> like, we, really, we really have exactly stuff. the same troubles at Report URI. It's you know, like, how do I cancel my account? How do I cancel my subscription? Like, you know, and, I, and we get all of these requests, like, please delete my data. And I'm like, oh, look, we have a knowledge base article. And and obviously, like, us doing that manually is really, really hard. Yeah. But, like, the button on the website that does it makes sure it gets everything and does it automatically. Yeah. So I'm like, don't ask me, like, the, yeah. the better way is to actually use the feature on the website. Do you have people then just go off and do that and they don't bother you? Um, well, I mean, they don't email me back, so I don't know. <laughs> like, maybe they just go and do it and don't email back to say, you know, got it or something. You normally hear from people if they're unhappy. So. Yeah, that's true. I got, it, yeah. It just feels like there needs to be a better way. I think part of the problem is is that for forever and a day, when Have I Been Pwned sent any email, whether it was a transactional email from the website or it was an invoice from Stripe, it always sent from no reply at haveabeenpwned.com. That doesn't work. Oh, but, <laughs> but it says no reply. <laughs> I, I, I often read like the, because we have like a, the catch-all inbox that yeah. has always a folder. <laughs> Man, I'm like, every now and again, in, I go in there and just have a scroll through and I'm like, how many people are emailing back to like the automatic invoice robot? See, there's your problem. You actually have a catch-all. <laughs> oh no, like that. Oh, do you just bin them? Well, accidentally I just bin them. So for a while there, um, <laughs> And the way I did this is via DN Simple. One of the they've got a whole bunch of other sort of domain-related tools, mm. but you you can have a catch-all email address. You can forward it onto somewhere else. Oh, okay. So for a while there, I had that there, and then at some point in time, it stopped working. It used to just go to a folder with an Outlook rule, so I wouldn't see it. But if I wanted to, I'd go to the folder and put it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it it stopped working. I'm not sure why. And then when I set up the the, the Stripe stuff properly, and then the Zendes thing, I just set up. Uh, billing at haveabeenpwned.com. So it comes from there. Any reply to there automatically creates a ticket in Zendesk. Uh, okay. But I was like, okay, well then, you know, the, the no reply stuff, still the transactional emails come from there. So I should actually be able to get those. But for some reason, like the, the catch all is just not working. And I think that maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, what do you, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. It's like, ignore them. But no, there's loads of things like that where you just think, oh, this should be really easy. But yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's not. So anyway, it's it's no it's no longer a royal we. It's it's a we with with Charlotte and I, which which is nice. So she does a lot of work on that. But there's uh, where I was going with that. So it was a period, a period of time where you know I was worried about look, is someone going to come and shut it down in some way or put enough pressure that it's hard to run it? And it's it's just been nice as as time has progressed and it's I guess normalised and there's been the government's come on board and the law enforcement things. To the point now where you know, I've been talking to you about the Medibank stuff. I probably should talk about Medibank again. That's mm. nice. Uh, Medibank being the private health insurer in Australia that got ransomed and has just gradually had data dumped on the web. And I, I think I mentioned to you because it was well we were together over the last few days. But um, this ransomware crew has now dumped the last set of data. They say that's that's the end of it. They've just dumped everything remaining. So this is after they've gone through and they're like, we're just going to dump all the abortions here. We're going to dump all of the HIV here and all of the psychotherapy patients. It's just, it's, like, oh, it's, it's, it's unfathomably Like it doesn't get much either. worse than that, does it? Like Short of actually going out and directly inflicting harm as opposed to just doing it implicitly, I'm just not sure it does get worse. Yeah. That's... Can you imagine if that was you though? Like that, that must be... Oh, it'd be horrific. And for the people in there as well, like I'm sure that we'll hear stories at some point in time about people having self-harmed or, or something related yeah. to that. It's hard to imagine not. But in, in a case like uh, Medibank, so it, it looks like that that's sort of the end of them dumping everything. We saw that statement I showed at you or walking around the Christmas markets in Oslo the other day, statement from like the Russian embassy. Uh, they're upset. Yeah. They're upset. They're super upset. They're, they're not <laughs> upset with... with, uh, with Medibank being hacked. 
Yeah, I was, I was trying to find the right words because, like, allegedly Russians going and hack. They weren't upset about Medibank being hacked or the the impact on life and everything else. It's like they are upset that the Australian Federal Police has said, uh, "Yeah, it's it's Russians, and we're going to work with the Russians to try and get the Russians to, you know." So okay, so good luck, good luck with that. Yeah. So basically, we're going to go to the country that's invaded the other country that we are lending support to and say, could you please stop doing this other thing that has upset, you know. Yeah. Optimistic. Politicians. Yeah. Uh, that's a very, they're a very politicians thing. But anyway, where I was going with the Medibank thing and as it relates to the, the concern about the legitimacy of the service, uh, I, I had this, this, I don't know if it was an epiphany, but whilst I was in Canberra, the, when I went to Parliament House and uh, doing a talk for the AFP and the Medibank stuff was all blowing up, and it was kind of weird because it's like on the one hand you had the AFP out there saying, this is again Australian Federal Police, saying you know, you download, I think the term that they used in, and I don't know if it was a press statement or it was something by the media that's picked up the right words, but basically saying, look, if, if you sell this data online, that's going to be a criminal uh, act because it's you know, obviously doing nasty things to people. And there was another bit in there about even downloading it and possessing it might be... Um, you know, it might be illegal or, or something to that effect. Might be. I'm sort, I guess of, not very. I'm sort of, well, yeah, well, but this is the thing. If it's already. And if you do this, I you do might not be have breaking the, the law. This. And this came from the police. The, the, the irony of this was, you know, we're talking about if people are downloading this data and having it, there are questions about the legality of it. Uh, now, now, selling it, we just go back to leaked source, right? This yeah. is deliberately uh, disadvantaging others, you know, number one, bad, <laughs> number two, for your own financial gain, which just kind of makes it even worse. Yeah. So there was that. But the, the one that, that I found, I maybe amusing is the right word, with the AFP situations, that we're seeing these statements about not going and downloading this data, and at the same time, I'm in there at the AFP by invite talking to them about <laughs> obtaining the, the, the near 12 billion records that <laughs> have been pwned. Because it's very, very relevant to, to, to what they do and understanding how these data breaches happen, where the data comes from, is, is a, yeah, a big part of their their cyber <laughs> arm, I guess. Uh, and, and then I'm sort of thinking about the Medibank thing, you know, like do, does that data go into Medibank or not? And the, the, the little sort of fight going on in my head is, uh, you know, this is really impactful data. Uh, people should know about it. Obviously, we're really, really concerned about anyone having it and anyone doing anything with it. So it's probably better not to go in there just because of the, the massive volatility of the whole situation. Uh, but then Medibank is referring people to like cyber.gov.au for advice. And then cyber.gov.au refers them to have I been poor. So, <laughs> so it's this like weird sort of cyclical thing where it's like, we shouldn't be doing this. Uh, hey, go and use have I been poor, which does this. We shouldn't be doing this. Go and use have I been poor, which does it. So. But I guess just like, you know, I don't know, like the structure of the leak, but just pull, you know, the email column, you know, you're not going to go in there and tag like what type of data, which person lost or anything. It's just like a yes, no in the breach, isn't it? Yeah, actually. So, all right. Well, that, that makes for interesting content, which I haven't discussed here before uh, about actually loading it and why I decided not to. And to, to scroll back a little bit, like this incident was so, so volatile on, on the world scale, because you think... Let's scroll back, say, three months. If we had said, what's the most impactful data breach there has ever been? You know, like, what's going to be the immediate thing that comes to mind? So for you. Like Ashley Madison? Yeah, exactly, right? Like, that's always the default answer. It's always Ashley Madison. 
Uh, why is it so impactful? Well, you know, 30 million plus people, some people kill themselves, enormously sensitive personal information there, so on and so forth. And then we had this, and I, I really feel like in many ways, um, and maybe the difference here will be actual impact to life, which we knew was, was pretty catastrophic, actually, Madison. In many ways, this is worse because it's still 10 million plus people. Okay, that's less than 30 million, but it's also basically just Australians. And for a country with 25 million people, it's like 10 million yeah. is, is a lot. Plus psychotherapy, uh, STDs, abortions, things like that. Such, such volatile, sensitive yeah. personal information. And I, I think maybe a little bit like Ashley Madison, it's, it's the periphery stuff. You know, Ashley Madison became a, a massive incident because of the search services that were stood up around it. The the people calling up radio stations so the radio station could check if they're in the breach and then tell them live. And Not if they're in the breach, but their significant other was in the breach. So it was the circus around it. And, and in a way, that's what these... This ransomware crew created with Medibank because it's like, you know, we're putting out public threats. We're basically telling the cops to go and get stuffed, which, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's the dark web and they're in Russia. They, yeah, they're able to do that. And then dumping all of this really, really volatile data. Uh, and I spoke to a, a couple of other journo friends after things like the abortion file and the psychotherapy file. And I said, look, do we even report on this? You know, there was a, an argument from, I think from, it was either from the AFP or Medibank, that the ongoing reporting of the incident, I think the term I saw used, gives oxygen to the hackers, you know, gives them, you know, they were looking for impact. Yeah, okay. I mean, I can... So I, I'm like you, right? I'm, I'm hesitating. So, okay, I can kind of see that, but it is out there anyway. Like, it's easy to find. Yeah. I think I just got to the point where it's like, I feel... Yeah, like genuinely sickened by the whole thing. And I really, it's not that I, I want to have the, the the luxury of just being able to not think about it, but I really think it just got to a point where so I, I just stopped sharing information. I think I've shared one or two very little things since then, um, namely the thing the other day where it's like, okay, this is the last of it. And then, of course, the one, the Russian embassy one. But I, I just, yeah, it's very hard to explain. I just, I just really felt like giving it any attention was just, not in the best interest of the public. But anyway, as, as it relates to, to loading it, so I did speak to uh, many people in different agencies and, and involved companies. And it's a little bit like, remember, I don't know if you remember, but uh, there was a, a VTEC data breach, Hong Kong toy maker yeah, VTEC. Yeah, yeah. That's the only data breach I've ever removed from Have I Been Pwned, the one retired breach. Is that the one where they asked everybody to like delete it and you did as well? Well, yeah, but everybody basically boiled down to three people because that was one where a hacker who we believe was in the UK, never named, I suspect a minor, it was really basic. I can't remember if it was just insecure direct object reference or if it was SQL injection as well, but it was really low-hanging fruit stuff. So this person obviously found a vector didn't think that VTech would take it seriously. So he's like, I know how to make them take it seriously. I just dump all the data. Which is also mm, shitty because, no. <laughs> well, <Come on. laughs> the wrong thing to do, but it, it did make them take it seriously. And we do have so many precedents where just having a vector like that where you can get data alone is not enough not sufficient, to yeah. get an organization to take it seriously. Now, that never justifies dumping all the data. And I think the, the only point I'm saying is I, I, can, I can see the crossroads that this person is at when they're like, might not do anything, I know how to make them do it properly. 
And like we've been there before another way. Remember Nissan, right? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> that came <laughs> up again this week. We have to talk about all the other car hacking that's happened this week. Uh, you know, when when we found that insecure direct object reference with Nissan, which would just take a VIN number and then allow me to control bits of your car. Yep. And we tried to get them to take it seriously, like sending emails, speaking to people there, and they didn't do anything. And then eventually, it's like so, and used everything, didn't we? Like every available channel, used everything. Uh, and we already had contacts, already had phone calls, and then it just got to the point. Where it's like a month after reporting it, they haven't done anything, and I, and I wrote to them and said, "Look, I'm going to write about this. Do you have any comments?" Uh, and they said, uh, "Yes, please don't write about it." <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote about it, <laughs> and then they took it seriously. But you know, that's that's a bit different to just going and taking all their PII. Yeah. So and it was literally like the day you published, it hit like the yep. BBC in the UK, yeah. and then the app just stopped working. Yeah. Like they just pulled it down. Somebody just went into the data center and like flicked off the switch. So, so the, I guess the point is, is that people see that, like they see those precedents, and they know that it can be very hard to get traction. And again, like we, we shouldn't be in this situation. We shouldn't have people dumping data or exploiting those vulnerabilities. But. Mm. As it relates to VTech, so that's what someone did. Uh, they grabbed all the data, they sent it to Lorenzo at Motherboard. Yeah. Lorenzo sent it to me, uh, and I put it in Havoban Pine. So, like three of us. So, the, the Fed said, look, um, forget the way they phrased it. Basically, the person who uh, took the data originally isn't a problem anymore. <laughs> that sounded, <laughs> that's, Whoa, that's that sounded saying. a bit more grim than what I meant it to be. But uh, I, I, it sounds like for. All intents and purposes, they, they found who it is. They spoke to his parents or something. He's <laughs> in his room thinking about what he's done and he's deleted all the data. And then Lorenzo deleted it as well and it, it just left me. And the, the position that the... the um, it wasn't actually the FBI. It was an ex-FBI agent working for VTech in some sort of legal capacity. But he was very, very reasonable. He said, look, if, if you can delete that as well, we can say to parents with a high degree of confidence that there is no more data anywhere else and we don't have to explain like this weird pwn thing with the funny name how's that stuck for nine years <laughs> Jeez. Pwned. how did we only learn about the logo two days ago what yeah. jacob turned the logo <laughs> that's uh, maybe a different video that's i want to do a not safe for work ndc talk one day that's yep. what it is yeah oh. no oh, oh, well no. that was like uh, cyber broken it was like semi now what i want to do is um i want to go through data breaches I'll say for work ones, the ones we won't even mention oh, okay. here, but some of them, and then some of the content in there, and then some of the stuff happened. I'm just thinking how many emails I'd get after that. <laughs> <laughs> but with like the VTech one, when they say delete it, do you just like delete? Could you not just like delete the dump file, you know, like the zip backup or whatever, and then leave <clears> just the emails tagged in? No, because, because that, that you, you can't then say all that data has been removed. So that the message that they wanted to give parents is yeah. we can now confidently say that any traces of your data that were exposed as a result of this incident have been cleaned up. Now, of course, they had to take me at my word as well, in the same way as when it's ransomware crew trying to shake down Medibank. <laughs> yeah. They would have to take me We promise we won't dump your data. But they kind of had to now, didn't they? Because... Well, that they had to because they had to send that message. Apparently, another couple of companies are now on their, their ransomware page, so they've moved on to the next things. So they've got the precedence. But VTEC, so to, to, to get it out, I had to write a script to go through the, the input list of email addresses, go to table storage, go to each one of those email addresses. Uh, if VTEC was one of multiple breaches, then just take out VTEC. If VTEC was the only breach, then take out the whole row. <laughs> and it was, that's, that's funny. It's like, oh, yes, like I know about this person. 
And you're just going to like yeah. remove the VTEC tag yeah. and then leave the yeah. person there. Yeah, well, if they're in there on another bridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It just seems funny. As it relates to, to Medibank, that was what I kept thinking back to, which is like, look, there are precedents where either I've removed data from Have I Been Pwned or I haven't put it in there. Another, another one I didn't put in there was the Australian Red Cross Blood Service. And my data was in there, half a million Aussies, until, in fact, until Medibank, that was the largest breach that we'd had in Australia. And that didn't go in there because we, we being myself and the Australian Red Cross Blood Service uh, and Osset, who did all their, their IR, yeah. all had a really high degree of confidence that, that there were no other copies of the data. So we went, look, there are no other copies of it, you have actually gone out and proactively notified everybody, which which is really important. Um, I'm confident that you've handled this in a in a responsible fashion, and basically just like ticked all the boxes of have I been pwned now being redundant. Yeah, <laughs> like you don't have to ask the question have I been pwned in the Australian Red Cross Blood Service data breach because you have been told already, and that's what I got to with with Medibank as well, uh, and again in in conjunction with combination of discussions with, with parties. And to be clear, no party, whether it be law enforcement or Medibank or anything like that, ever said, please don't load this data. It was never like, if you do this, we will send the hounds or <laughs> you know anything like that. But it was literally just a conversation going, this is such a, a massively volatile thing. What is in the best interest of, number one, the community, uh, and to some extent, Medibank too, because like they absolutely are, are a victim of this. And we don't know exactly how they got in, uh, other than we've heard talk about a compromised credential. Uh, one would imagine that, that alone would not be enough to do all the damage that's been done, but clearly that was that played a role somewhere. But I was very confident that they'd notified uh, everybody involved. Yeah. I was worried that by having, even though you and I and probably everyone listening to this knows it's just email addresses and it just goes into table storage and returns, you know, like yes or no, it would have been. It would have put a lot of pressure on them to have to try and explain this thing. There were apparently. In fact, I hadn't even seen this, but there were apparently other search services and things popping up, and they got knocked off very, very Pretty quickly. Quick. Yeah. Very, very quickly. <laughs> and it's not that I was fearful of that having happening to have a been pwned, but one. I, I think one of the things that might have caused me to go, okay, well, there's now a greater body of evidence to suggest putting it in there would be if we are seeing lots of dodgy search services and no one knows who to trust, or if we're yeah, seeing okay. lots of uh, uh, malicious downloads pretending to be this breach and then it's malware or something else nasty. So that's how I got, never said that publicly before, but that's how I came to that conclusion. And I haven't gone out and said it publicly because I just, again, just honestly, I was, was sick of talking about the whole incident. And, uh, and there was only a couple of people that even asked uh, and I ignored them and they went away. <laughs> You've had a bad run of... Um of breaches in Oslo recently I've noticed quite a few yeah well you're in one it seems like yeah thanks <laughs> oh, Matt that was so typical tell that story because like, that's hilarious sorry that's, that's the funniest data breach yeah, uh, person being in a data like, breach story six, September six eight weeks a couple months ago I went to Australia for your like, like the Australian wedding and kind of like land in Australia I have good like um, cellular data roaming in Europe but it doesn't work in like America Australia so I just usually buy an eSIM when I land in the country it's like super fast now with an eSIM it's so good it's like buy an eSIM 30 days hmm. fill out the form what's your name what's your address and so obviously like I put my name but then your address because I needed to have address in Australia or send at Troy's house so it's like my name and address and then I had to put like my passport number and then your credit card number because it had to have like an Australian like card number 
So I signed up to this SIM card, I got the eSIM, used it, went home. <laughs> like two weeks after I get home, yeah. it's like, oh no, Optus, who's the carrier that I bought the eSIM from, it's like Optus has been breached. And it's like my my name with your address and like my passport and your credit card in one yeah. person. So yeah, I got us both pwned yeah, by thanks, Matt. using uh-huh. mobile data. <laughs> Oops. And of course that opened up that whole other can of worms about how much identity data should they be retaining? Like what's, oh, man. what should they need in the first place? What is sufficient for purpose? Uh, so I've looked at this in the UK, I'm like, why? And it's just like, why is it so much and why do they need it? And apparently it's like, if you do something illegal, you know, with the SIM, yeah, you go yeah. download like yeah. inappropriate material, they can wind it right back to yeah. the person that bought it. And I kind of get that. But then free Wi-Fi is everywhere. <laughs> like, you know, I'll just, I'll just go to a coffee shop and, and use the Wi-Fi. I'm not going to use a SIM card that traces back to me. It's not just that, but it's like there's VPNs and there's Tor. And then there's yeah. all the other messaging apps and other things you can do nasty stuff, though, that are E2E um, encrypted. And, you know. It just feels like a, a disaster waiting to happen. And I don't know, like, how much of it is required. But the other thing that I find mm. is loads of services ask for, like, way more data than they reasonably need for the service to function. It sort of you know? comes back to, um, yeah, on the one hand, look, I'm, I'm maybe having trouble to explain it because it, 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 there's obviously some regulation around knowing who is the owner of a device which can transmit or an account that can transmit. But then, like you say, you just jumped on Wi-Fi, you know, or uh, even if you have a device without a SIM at all, you can jump on the Wi-Fi mm-hmm. or tether from somewhere else. And you can buy second-hand phones like everywhere with no trace back to you, you know, yeah. like go on eBay or go to a local phone store. And so it's like, it's, it's totally easy to completely avoid all of these issues. It feels like you're giving us a lot of thought. <laughs> well, no, but, but I do though, to try and understand why. Yeah. You know, if you sign up for Report Your Eye, it's like, what's your email? Because we have to send you a verification link yeah and that's it there's like no name no address no anything until you get to like if you want to pay for it and then of course there's like a minimal number of, of steps yeah. of the card data and then it like we just found that all out to stripe because i'm like i don't want your name and address like that's a, a huge level yeah. of responsibility so i feel like it's very much a remnant of a bygone era where there was a time where it it predated the internet in its current form where it was so easy to do things anonymously on a carrier service without anyone knowing and you know, somehow that law has stuck. And I, I think we, we almost kind of need things like the Optus data breach so that we can we can question these laws and go back and look at, you know, if things should change. I showed you the other day, there's there's some guidance uh, now out of the Australian Office of the Information Commissioner. I got that around the wrong way. AOAC. Anyway, our privacy people. <laughs> and uh, so apparently that they've now passed a bill around really, really serious um, penalties as well. So those penalties were, I think, 50 million Australian dollars, 30% of adjusted uh, revenue for the period in question. That's pretty steep. Which, like, and I tweeted this, I said, you know, Australia now has the most severe uh, penalties in the world. And people are like, oh, yeah, but GDPR. But GDPR doesn't offer you 30%. No, not <laughs> like, at all. That's, and then people are like, well, this is just, just going to kill companies. Good. So, okay, well, no, there's, like, there's two problems with that. Yeah. So the, the first problem is it's, it's, not designed to kill companies for, for the most part. I'm, look, I'm sure there is a point at which it's like, yes, they just should die. <laughs> but for the most part, let's say it's Optus. No one benefits, other than maybe Telstra, from Optus yeah. being dead, right? Like maybe a competitor benefits. But if a competitor benefits and what's 
it's not a complete duopoly in Australia, but if, if you knock one of them off altogether and they're no longer there, or if you knock the Medibank off altogether and they're no longer there, we, we lose the services, we lose the competitiveness, thousands of people lose their jobs. Like, that's, that's not the goal. It's not there to bankrupt them. Uh, and these are maximums as well. You know, when someone's saying, well, how's a small business going to afford 30 million? It's like, well, a small business is not going to get hit with 30 million. But no one's been finding the maximum amount on the GDPR yet. Well, but, you know, it's like, and, and the, the, because and, if you set the precedent of like, this is the worst thing that can happen, yeah. like, how do you ever set a harder fine, you know, if you've already hit the, the cap somewhere? And, and this was like, go back before GDPR and it's like, so talk, I think it was talk, talk and Carphone Warehouse got like 400,000 pound fines from, oh, no. um, uh, geez, I forget all my acronyms at the moment, information commission the in the UK. Yeah. So that was like, you can be the worst people in the world, 400,000 pounds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is just done. Nothing. <laughs> like, but now, at, you know, under GDPR, is a percentage of, of revenue, which is great. Uh, we got to see with Australia how much actually gets stung for these ones. But but then look at like the Ticketmaster one recently. So the ICO issued the MPN, the Monetary Penalty Notice, to them, and they were like, "Hey, um, like COVID's hit and we're really, really struggling." And the ICO was like, "Okay, yeah, we'll wind back like fifty percent of the fine." And I was like, "What?" Like, Hang on a minute. Like, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to be able to negotiate the fine after it's. What about just not doing this shit? In the like, first yeah, place? yeah. <laughs> That's don't get. That should be the point. Uh, so, comment here. Tony says, uh, <coughs> "Is it KYC and audits pushing companies to collect all the darts? Darters, darts, dead, that's So, roundabout answer. I and I tweeted about this recently, but I just had Coinbase uh, under the guise of KYC asking me for a, a huge amount of personal information mm, that, that had absolutely nothing to do with my Coinbase account. So I have a Coinbase account for Have I Been Pwned donations. And also, by the way, never tweet anything about crypto. Like, just do not tweet <laughs> anything about crypto. But there's no bots on Twitter anymore. Because, because but it's, it's funny because I, yeah, I did this after the whole must takeover and everything. And it's like, this is just as shitty now as it was before in terms yep. of just massive volumes of bots. But it's massive volumes of bots and then massive volumes of self-anointed experts who will tell you that everything you are doing with crypto is wrong. Yeah. Don't use Coinbase because they're real. You've got to have a local wallet. You know, don't have the same address. You've got to have one that like rotates and you know, anonymizes and everything. It's like, oh my god! It's just all I wanted is for some people to buy me a coffee. <laughs> but Coinbase asks for things. So it's just used for have I been pwned donations. The wallet addresses on the have I been pwned website. So it's pretty clear where it all comes from. And they're like, okay, we need the source of the income. So, okay, well, that's easy, www. <laughs> Here's the page. But then they wanted information about my net worth, about where I earn my income from. Uh, they wanted like a letter from my employer, which would be weird because it's from me. So, like, dear Coinbase. Dear Troy, yeah, yeah, dear Coinbase. Troy has been an excellent employee, <laughs> signed Troy, <laughs> for nine years now. Uh, so they wanted all this invasive you stuff. You must do that. You have to do that. Uh, well, That'd be great. They were discussing this yesterday because there are times like I remember um, things like one of my companies has a, a, one of the cars registered under it and you go into like our Department of Main Roads to do your registration and stuff and they're like, well, we need something on the company letterhead from your employer. Like, okay, I guess I'm making a letterhead. <laughs> <laughs> well, so do you put like the Have I Been Pwned logo on it or is it a different one? Uh, it was a different entity, but uh, I, I didn't put any graphics on it. I was just it was like, this is a letterhead and they're like, all it's got is an address and a company name. Yep. <laughs> Where are the rules on what a letterhead is? Like, and, it, and you can see the people behind the desk are like, oh, this sucks. I think they've changed that. But anyway, the KYC stuff. So I, I tweeted about it. I suffered the pain of the bots and the experts. 
Uh, and then someone from Coinbase did help me solve it. <laughs> so basically, think, back to where I was. Like, there's a, a massive push for KYC, but it's, it's very, I feel like, very financial sector focused. We've, like, our banks have suddenly started reaching out to us recently for our company accounts and, like, hey, we're just double checking all the data mm-hmm. and things. But then so much stuff outside of the finance sector is still so data hungry as well. And, you know, I think it's just a. Uh, a feeling of like, oh, well, if we ask for it and we need it, then we have it. And like, maybe it'll be useful in the future or something. Yeah. And I think this is where Tony was going when he said, um, uh, it's KYC, KYC being responsible for this. But we, we got to remember the likes of all the data that Optus had. Okay, KYC is not a new thing, but I feel like in the last couple of years, it's yeah. really, really hammered us. In Australia, it's hammered us because we've had a Royal Commission into Banking and just loads of questions about banks supporting shady businesses and then of course all the crypto stuff but the Optus stuff it goes back a couple of decades you know like yeah and that's like a super heavily regulated industry as well like telco isn't it I think yeah you can kind of see why there but still dial it back where you can data minimization and this is kind of what we all want right like what is the least amount of data you need in order to perform the intended duty of whatever it is you're there for uh, Christian says it's a criminal research. It's for criminal research of the police. They need to know who is who as the sim. So if there is a murder, etc., they can ask the mobile operators who's the phone closed, etc., etc. So I, th- I think where he's kind of going with that as well is that uh, if you have the device and you're roaming around between cell towers as well, yeah, then they can do that. And you know, again, you get it. But if, like if you're do, a murderer, you just go to flight mode. Got <laughs> 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 I don't no. mean to give away all the secrets. Stop telling here, murderers how to evade detection. Or leave the phone at home. You know, or get the burner Shh. phone. Just like, there might be murderers listening. <sighs> but, the, it, like, in fairness, the, there is surely a scale that has to happen here where you've got, on the one side, it, it is useful for law enforcement to be able to see the movements of a, of a mobile device and to be able to tie it back to an Yeah. No doubt. On the other hand, there is the massive privacy risk, which we've now seen manifest itself with the Optus situation. Yeah. So it's not necessarily to throw one of them out altogether, but it, should the balance be revised? Should we be saying, and I think this is what appears to be coming down the pipeline in Australia, but should we be saying, look, you only need this amount of data collected in the first place, and I don't know that storing driver's license numbers and passport numbers and things after you've positively identified someone is a good idea, and then what's the retention period when they're no longer a customer as well? Yeah. You know, are you going to go back and, you know, that murder 20 years ago? We want to see if that guy's sim was around. I don't even know <laughs> if, if telcos store records for that long in terms of, like, cell tower movements. It goes back to why we farm our, our finance stuff to Stripe. You know, it's like there are retention periods and requirements, and, yeah. and then you'd have to be educated about those and have the liability. And I'm like, over to you. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, the experts, they can they can worry about this stuff. Delegate it. Well, and, and this this is where things like some sort of federated identity that we do at a national level so that there's some identifier we can have that's not a secret but still identifies the individual would be useful but then privacy and scales again scales uh christian says uh since all cell phone gp gp well christian's got a funny keyboard Uh, (laughs) knows what sims are connected to us i think we got there we got to the point there Adam Schroeder says the new fines, at least somewhat align us with GDPR, does provide companies overseas with more, maybe unwarranted trust to host things in Australia. I'm not sure that anyone's going to... I guess it's, the hosting issue is probably a little bit independent to where the company operates. I don't know that people are going to go around and go, oh, look, I was really, really keen to put that service in Sydney, yeah, it's but not I didn't like trust a- them. 
because you still gonna have to be Australian for it to like apply to you, right? It's gonna be like the parent owner company rather than the location. I think then we'll, we will probably come back to that whole GDPR can of worms again, which is, and we've discussed this a lot. <laughs> we won't get into too much detail on here, otherwise I'll get more angry letters along with the Bitcoin stuff. Uh, but where people say, look, uh, I'm in the EU, we have a law in the EU, it applies to you, you, you go, all, all guys. Oh, we had this with this like and... the discussion about tax as well. Oh, it's no, like the same. Not, not the bat <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. That's awesome. Uh, but so one, so with the new fines then, and like this is the same with GDPR and with the new Australian rules, they, it's like the company screws up, the company loses my data and your data. Yeah. And like we have, especially if it's the Medibank stuff, like super negative potential yeah. impact. And then the government takes all the money. Yeah. You know, like is there ever going to be, or should there ever be, like some distribution of the fine to the impacted parties? So I, th I think the challenge, and this almost comes back to the class action discussion as well around is there loss or damage to the individual or is it hurt feelings and this is yeah i wrote that that blog post a couple of years ago around ambulance chasing and data breaches uh, and and all the time i get emails from companies talking about this in fact even this whatsapp thing you see whatsapp in the news the other day no are they so there's head news headlines that whatsapp data breach 500 million email or 500 million phone numbers floating around uh, and it's like I have a feeling it's not going to be real. <laughs> well, this yeah. is the thing. Like, as soon as I saw that site, like, this doesn't smell good. Like for various reasons, it didn't smell good. Uh, and I'm getting questions from people emailing me about the WhatsApp data breach. Uh, and then I found um, I forget who it was, but someone had posted on LinkedIn an analysis of it, and they said, "Well, look, basically what's happened is someone's just gone through, got a big list of numbers, kept adding one." and then use public WhatsApp services, which by design need to confirm if there's a phone number at the other end of it or not, and effectively just enumerated oh. the, the phone number address space. And then it gets passed around as a WhatsApp data breach. Anyway, where I was going with that is I had a, a law firm from, I don't think I've replied to them yet actually, I might not, a law firm from Germany contacting me, literally saying, can we put banner advertising on have I been pwned if someone from Germany comes and finds themselves in the WhatsApp data breach, and we will give you some commission. Oh no! But yeah, no, I, like I totally get that. That's, that's just shady. sleazy. Yeah, that's sleazy. super shady. It's super but super sleazy. Also, like the reg the regulator or legislator that's that's doing the fining is yeah. probably also in the best position to determine like if and what impact there is on citizens. Yeah, and it it comes back to the whole thing about our new penalties as well. Like the the we shouldn't have a situation where a company that has a data breach is is being killed like that's that's not in anyone's best interest and when law firms yeah. go after them mounting class actions they're literally just there to extract as much money as possible and what i keep seeing certainly not the first time i've been offered money to help a law firm with a class action either is all they're looking to do is to try and get as many people as possible together that want to pile on to, to this company that's had yeah. a breach um we're going somewhere with that how do we get on this? But if the regulator did that and they determined like there's no impact and you get no money, or there is some impact yeah. and you get some, then all of the class action stuff is like yeah. kind of gone, right? That, that's how we got onto this because it's like, okay, well, if you're in a data breach, should you have some financial compensation? But the, the, the discussion that's come up so many times with class actions as well is what is the losses experienced by the individual? Uh, you know, did they, did they, for example, lose money because their bank account details were stolen, someone took some cash out, that's a pretty easy one to quantify. Did they did they suffer other losses because they, let's say in the case of Optus, they had to go and change their IDs? Yeah. You know, so, okay, well, you know, yes, I did have to leave work and you know, go out and do so that. And maybe that did cost people Or like something. subscribe to some protection service, like identity protection services. Yeah, but then that's normally picked up by the companies who had the breach as well. 
but I, I feel really uncomfortable with situations where someone has not suffered some clear loss going after a company asking for money. Yeah, I'm very, very comfortable with a regulator coming and slapping them ICO style. Yeah. I'm okay with that. But, you know, let's say, let's say it's even Medibank just to be really... Like if they disclose your super secret medical condition. Yeah. You know? And there's, I mean, that, that one's almost a bit harder. I think the easy ones are, let's say it's Cat Forum, you know? It's like, you're on Cat Forum. <laughs> you love cats. You're on Cat Forum. They have a breach. Your data's in there. Everybody should knows you, you get, like tubbies. <laughs> <laughs> should you get money back from Cat Forum because you've had your... Well, it'd come from the regulator that find them, not from them. Well, it, in your proposal, yes. But, I mean, when we talk about things like class actions, uh, okay. that gets distributed by the law firm. And you get like $18 or something stupid like that. <laughs> the lawyers so, get millions. Anyway, I, I guess the point is, there's a question around, did you actually suffer some sort of a loss that needs financial compensation or not? And, and particularly when we get into spaces like, well, you started getting account takeover tax because you use the same password everywhere, so where did it actually come from? Or you're getting spam, or you're getting even identity theft attempts, but where did the data actually come from? So I think unless it's very, very clear that you have suffered a direct loss due to a company's actions, I just feel really uncomfortable with individuals going after money. I like the idea of a, a regulator being able to suggest Yeah, they that, seem non-biased enough and able to properly determine impact and apportion, you know, apportion well, finances. They should be, but then every time I discuss that, people are like, yes, but they're the government. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, well, you got to trust someone somewhere, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And it's not the lawyers, not that much. <laughs> Look, I think we better wrap this up because we've been going a lot longer than what I thought, but we just somehow found content, which which we always do. So um, let's wrap it up. You've got to get back to England. We've got to go to yeah. Finland tomorrow. We, we're going to be together another two weeks. Are we going to do one in yeah, Hampstead Hall? I think we're together another two weeks. So maybe mm. we'll do one from somewhere uh, proper snowy and a lot colder yeah. in Copenhagen <laughs> in another couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. All right, cool. Thanks for watching. Uh, hope you enjoy. I'll, I'll come to you next. Oh, oh I'm going to be in Lapland next week. So, <laughs> next week, I will probably come from Lapland, assuming I have connection and, and body warmth. Cool. Thanks for watching. See ya.